I know what's in the back of your mind right now. You might be listening to this in the car, on the train, or even at your home, and you know that there's plenty of Christmas shopping that's awaiting you. It's easy to feel snowed under by the pressure of it all. Well, sit back, because Nathan Brown will tell us how the best Christmas present won't be found in a shopping store. Welcome to Signs of the Times Radio. Welcome to Science of the Times Radio. I'm Daniel Kubedek, and with me today I have the esteemed book editor from Science Publishing in Warburton in Victoria, Nathan Brown. How are you, Nathan? Yeah, doing well. Not sure how esteemed, but I'll take the compliment. Thank you. You are definitely <laughs> esteemed. Don't leave yourself out of that credit. So, Nathan, it's the time of the year when when people are going out and buying presents. It's the the festive season. Mm. How are you feeling? Feeling excited this year? It's going to be a bit of a different festive season. There's going to be, I don't know, maybe people from outside of Victoria who you may not see due to border closures or not. You know, those things are very temperamental. <laughs> they but seem I'm, to come and go, so we'll see what happens by the time we get to Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Is it going to be a different Christmas for you this year, you reckon? Probably not, as in we have family that live relatively nearby and we, yeah, it'll be a quiet stay-at-home kind of Christmas, which we were probably planning. We were due for that this year, you know, between our different, you know, the different family that you need to do the rounds with. We were in Queensland last year for Christmas, so this year's a, a Victorian Christmas. And, yeah, it'll Christmas itself tends to be a pretty quiet kind of time just with a relatively low-key family get-togethers and a few other friends that you take the opportunity to catch up with and share good food and yeah some of those kind of things some of the usual busyness i guess in the lead up to christmas possibly won't be quite the same as they have been in previous years and that might not be such a bad thing yeah we're actually going to talk about that a little bit later on because you actually mm. wrote about that for us in Signs of the Times magazine, the December issue. So mm. it's very interesting that you've raised that point. But do you think <laughs> that this Christmas will be different for a lot of families out there because of how unusual or mm. in some cases devastating this year has been? Yeah, yeah. And I think it will be different. But on the other hand, I think there's possibly something that people will, I hope, many people more might appreciate the uh, the space that Christmas gives rather than it being something that we all rush around with and are terribly busy about perhaps it might be somewhere an opportunity for all for many of us to you know perhaps pause and catch our breath after what's been a, a pretty heavy duty kind of year yeah absolutely and it's really interesting that you said pause and reflect because you you have been doing that, but you've been doing that mm. for, for quite some time now about Christmas. In fact, those moments of pausing and reflecting have resulted in this brand new spanking book called Advent, which has mm. a really nice front cover, but mainly it's it's about the words in between the, the covers that is the best thing about it. Nathan, tell us about how the inspiration for Advent came around. Over many years, it's I've kind of, you know, we all go through... Perhaps a, a love-hate relationship with Christmas, and I'm not sure whether love and hate are quite the two strong. You know, maybe that's a bit too strong, but it's a excitement and then ambivalence, perhaps, is a better way of expressing it. That 
there are lots of good things about Christmas, but there's also a lot of junk and a lot of distractions and a lot of busyness and a lot of expectations that kind of mess with us and, you know, can make that time of year as far as family get-togethers and shopping and buying presents for people who don't need anything and some of those kind of things that we can all get a little bit stressed about and a little bit frayed with. I can, and I've kind of had those moments of my relationship with Christmas and, you know, when I told my wife I was keen on writing a book on Christmas, she laughed because she thought I was a bit of a Christmas grump. But there is those moments when you get to Christmas itself. Now, it might be a worship service around the time of Christmas. It might be when you pause just personally and actually think about the story you know, of the birth of Jesus. It might be just hearing one of those old Christmas carols that, actually grabs your attention about how amazing the story actually is. And they're the moments where it does make sense. And often it's, you know, for me, it's been, you know, the day or two before Christmas when all the other stuff is done, you've finished work for the year, you've done everything that you need to do on your lists, you've done all those end of year commitments and activities and whatever that might be. And then you just have that opportunity to pause and somewhere you then have that invitation to think again about the story of the birth of Jesus and what that actually means. And so they're the moments where then Christmas actually makes sense. Mm. And so you have this kind of all this other stuff that so easily gets in the way of those moments, but those moments are the ones that make all the rest of it worthwhile and actually the reason for it. And so you have that experience, and I guess in writing this book I had this idea, what if you could extend those moments for more of the month of December mm. so that it's not just something that happens in the last day or two or Christmas Eve or whenever it is that you finally get to you know, exhale and sort of reflect on the story and the reason for it all, but to actually have something where you can spend the, the time across the month of, you know, some very focused time across the month of December just thinking about how amazing this story actually is that you know even the fact that for all its nonsense for all its you know commercialism for all the sappy christmas songs and bad christmas movies and all of these kind of things there is still this story that somehow comes through in the midst of all of that that if it's actually true is a moment in human history that changes everything mm. that is the truly the most amazing story that's ever been been told and so this book is a kind of as an invitation to spend the time to reflect on that story in part of my i guess imagination of it it's got 31 chapters and so the idea was to read a chapter a day across the month of december you know, we, a lot of us know the idea of an advent calendar where you, you know, there's a chocolate a day where you count down the days until Christmas. And of course, that goes back to some older Christian calendar where the season of advent is the weeks that lead up to Christmas. And that's the idea of building that kind of expectation and understanding so that when you get to the actual day of celebration, that you had all that kind of anticipation and build up that gets you to that point. And then I took it a step further and said, okay, but there's more to the story of Jesus, of course. And so then there's another week of readings after Christmas that continue through the story of Jesus his life, his death, his resurrection, and then his promise to return in what has often been described as the second advent and what it means to live in the light of the story and the light of that hope as people are 
that want to be shaped by this story the whole in the whole of our lives. And so that's the, the kind of the picture of what the book is about. It's an invitation to do that. And, of course, you don't have to read it as 31 daily, daily readings. You can simply read it as a book. That's how, you know, when you've got a book in, the, in your hand, you're the boss of how you do it. And so really it's just in whatever way you want to use it, it's a collection of these kind of reflections on different aspects of the story of the birth of Jesus and why it matters. Yeah, absolutely. And from what I am aware, it has already generated quite a bit of interest amongst Christians and non-Christians so far. So it seems that there is a lot of quite a big market for those who want to delve deeper into the the Christmas message that's not just superficial. Would you Would you say that's correct? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that we, yeah, it is one of those stories that for many of us, we've either heard it many times before, but may not have thought about it very deeply. And of course, there are many in our society as well who, you know, every year we have this all this Christmas stuff and we, we might be even less sure what, you know, we may not have actually spent a lot of time with the story itself. And that's what this book is very focused on. It's just those uh, few chapters of the Gospels of Matthew and Luke and a little bit of John that do give us this insight into the story. But there's so many things going on in the story. You know, these little hints, these songs, these celebrations, these little glimpses of history, all these different factors come together to paint this bigger picture that this is truly something astounding happening in the history of our world. You know, it begins with basically this thing happened. You know, every time we talk about 2020, we're saying there's something that happened about 2000 and something years ago that was really significant mm. and has been considered so all the, you know, in the 2000 years since then. And then the rest of the book is sort of, well, that, you know, so this is the news of what happened. You know, something happened. So what makes it good news? Because that was the original announcement of even the angels in the story itself of, you know, we bring you good news of this thing that has happened. So what makes it good? You know, the birth of a baby is not necessarily a significant, particularly in pretty poor circumstances. Usually it's only something we look back on as a significant thing if that person becomes famous. You know, we might then you know, visit their birthplace or something like that. But the bigger reality of this is that all the announcements were that this is a truly astounding and significant thing now in and of itself. Mm. You know, when, when this baby is born, that will change everything. Mm. And that's the book is spending time thinking about, well, you know, why is the birth of a baby such a, you know, proclaimed as such a dramatic and significant thing? Yeah, Absolutely. Now, Nathan, to just focus in on the article that you wrote, which was an extract from your book, as I was going through the book, which you kindly gave to me, and I, I got to read before anyone else in the world, and that makes me feel <laughs> that makes me feel special, Nathan. It really does. I was going through the book, and I was thinking, okay, what do science readers? What will science readers be interested in out of this book? And I I narrowed it down to about, I think, ten out of your 31 <laughs> chapters, which was, which was really... That's a pretty good percentage. Yeah, look, it was, it was tough narrowing it down. It really was. But at the end of the day, I, I sort of narrowed it down to one that I particularly resonated with, which I feel many people will resonate with too. 
And mm. that's sort of the, going on the theme of the reason for the season. Now, I'm coming at this from a different perspective because, Nathan, I have to confess that I actually don't celebrate Christmas. And that's partly because my parents chose not to celebrate Christmas mm-hmm. in the traditional sense. And I've yep. just sort of continued that. But for me, the main thing about Christmas is the consumerism aspect that you've mentioned there mm. before. Mm. So this chapter that you wrote titled Generosity is actually going off of that theme about gift giving, you know, obviously not trying to condemn anyone who is into gift giving or receiving. For me, it's just sort of, I've preferred to stay away from that because it sort of adds a whole lot of stress. And, you know, I I make it clear to my friends, hey, I'm not going to be giving you a gift for Christmas. Don't give me anything either. And we'll we'll be cool, guys. (laughs) But it's an important part of how many families celebrate Christmas. So I just, I just wanted to ask you, you know, what are sort of the the benefits of gift giving, but what are, what are sort of the pitfalls as well, do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting kind of thing. Um, I mean, some people would make the claim that the gift giving tradition of Christmas goes all the way back to the wise men mm-hmm. in the story. They turn up probably sometime after the birth of Jesus itself, if you actually look at how the story is told. But you know, it may even have been about 12 months after Jesus was born that these strange visitors from, you know, some far country turned up and bought these expensive sound, sounding gifts to give to Jesus and to honour and worship him as as this newborn king. And that caused a bit of a flurry in the, in, in Jerusalem and, you know, would, I'm sure would have been a bit of a, a curiosity in Bethlehem as well. But it's a... Some people go all the way back to that and say, well, you know, that's where this tradition of giving gifts comes from. And certainly it's there in the story. I would suggest that the actual tradition of gift giving that we practice today is probably a much more recent phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people actually credit Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol story from the mid-19th century as basically where the contemporary tradition of Christmas began. You know, this idea of you know, good food and families getting together and giving gifts to people that have helped you and people that have worked for you and you know, people that you've interacted with as well as your family members. And there's a lot of good in that. You know, it's great that we have a time every year where we say thank you to people who have contributed to our lives across the year and you know, even simple things you know, within reason where children give... You know, students give presents to say thank you to their teachers for the year. And, you know, some of those kind of things. I think there's some really good things in that about just acknowledging the people who are part of our lives and who contribute to our lives. But, of course, the other part of the development of gift-giving to the extremes that we see in our world today is largely an invention of the American advertising industry Mm. across the 20th century where this became something that, you know, and in some retail se- sectors of the retail industry, you know, as much as 30 to 40 percent of their sales for the entire year happen over the couple of months leading up to Christmas. And so it becomes such a significant economic driver and, you know, just to, into the over commercialized kind of thing that we often, you know, that we see and that it's easy to be critical of. Mm. I guess my perspective even with this whole book project, was simply, you know, this is something that happens. We can choose the level to which we participate in it. But let's look for the good things. Let's look to redeem this time of year. And by doing that, to actually say, 
you know, the way I celebrate different Christmas differently is not by ignoring it or rejecting it, but by celebrating Jesus mm. at this time of year, where it is a traditional time to pause and remember his story, and also a time to tell his story, to share it with others. And I guess one of the things that I imagined with this book is the invitation for those people who appreciate it to then buy a copy for a friend, mm. and it, you know that it w- would make a great gift for someone for Christmas. So, yeah, I see some real opportunities about that. But the particular chapter that you adapted for the article looked at some of these aspects of giving and recognised that the most important aspect of giving that happens in the real story of Christmas is the most famous of the Bible verse of the Bible, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. Mm. You know, and that's the ultimate giving of Christmas is this incredible gift, this incredible generosity from God towards the world that is broken and lost and darkened in so many ways. But because God gave, as John talks about in the first chapter, you know, the light came into the darkness. This thing that changed history was this was a gift from God. And so the most important aspect of how we respond to this in our own lives is not necessarily to follow the example of giving, although we can do that and giving is a good thing to do, but giving can also be twisted and it can become a way of us wanting to look like we're important and powerful and generous. And so it's remarkable how twisted we can become that even our giving can become about ourselves. But the bigger picture of this is that God gave and our jo- our best response is to receive mm. the gift that he has given. And maybe that's a different focus that we can have to how we think about Christmas, how we respond to that story is to simply, and we may not understand it all. You know, I've written a book about different aspects of this and, you know, there's some parts of it where you say, well, I just don't even know how this all works or what it all means. I think there's something really amazing going on here, but I don't have my head around all the details and I can't explain to you every step along the way or every part of the mechanism by which it works. But I simply receive this gift by somehow in my heart opening myself to it by, you know, responding to God in some way and to say, hey, I want that to be part of my life. Mm. And, you know, the different aspects of that that we talk about throughout the book of things like love and peace and generosity, um, some of these different things, we get to the point of saying, well, I want those things to be the governing principles that I live my life in and by and that I want to live as a part of, you know, as a follower of that Jesus, you know, and everything that he he represented and that he grew up to be and to promise. And that's a way to live in the world differently. And it's a way to celebrate Christmas differently and much more positively than so much of the stuff around us. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting how you did make that comparison between gift giving and Jesus being a gift to the world from God. That's very interesting for a number of reasons. We may have people out there who listen to that and wonder, yes, okay, Jesus was born, you know, a long time ago. And I see what you're saying here, but how exactly was Jesus' birth a gift that, you know, affects me rather than affects everyone in the world currently alive? How was Jesus' birth? And, you know, that was obviously the start of Jesus' life, but then also that finished in Jesus' death. How was that complete package of Jesus' 
life a gift to humanity? That was the initial announcement or the promise of the angels, you know, going back to the story itself. And this is, I guess, where we get to thinking about this is simply, you know, the angels that, you know, appeared to some shepherds outside this little town of Bethlehem in the hills of Judea and simply said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So there's a promise there that this is something that applies to everybody as simple and small and specific as this story of a baby being born in this out-of-the-way village in the hills to this travelling couple, you know, all these things that make it a very unlikely story, except for the fact that we know about it and we're still telling the story 2,000 years later, that it is something that so much of the world pauses to mark and to celebrate just is evidence in itself that something remarkable happened there or that at least many people have believed that something remarkable happened there. And so there's this promise that, you know, right in the centre of the story that this is good news for everyone, that Mm. this changes everything. And to answer your question fully is kind of the task of the book is to say, well, why? Why is this good news? Why is it... You know, what does it really change? Mm. And the reality is that many people would come back and say, well, if everything's changed, why is the world still such a mess? You know, why is, why is so much broken? Why is there so much tragedy and disappointment and you know, all the things that we could list off as all the trouble in the world? And that's where there's also an element of promise that this is not a finished project, that there's still work to be done both by us and that we are called to be agents of all those things that are good in the world and in our societies, but also the big picture of Advent. And going back to this original story reminds us that to live as people who follow God is to expect him to act in our world, Mm. that we recognize that God is active and an agent of, of goodness in the world around us, and also the promise that one day he will intervene in another dramatic way and that the world will be recreated and made new without all of those things that continue to be a part of the lived human reality of our brokenness and fallenness and all those things. And so that's the promise within the story is that the story is not fully complete. So we are called to live as people who hope for more, who that anticipate God to be active in our lives and in our world and that anticipate and expect him to act in a bigger picture in in the history of our world yet again. Mm, Absolutely. What can a Christmas look like once you accept Jesus? Does it reshape the whole focus of, of celebrating Christmas rather than making it about buying presents for each other and having a great time to just catch up with family and friends? Does it become a time when when you can refocus and hone in on that message, do you think? Uh, Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with catching up with family and friends and eating good food and even, you know, within reason, sharing gifts and saying thank you to people. Like, there is much that is good in all of that. Mm. But the bigger picture is that this is an invitation to simply retell the story. Mm. And amidst all the different voices and noises that we hear in the world around us, one of the best acts of resistance that we can do is to simply insist that this is the story that matters most. And so we simply retell the story. We sing the songs. We remember 
and we retell it in, in as many creative and different ways as we can. We take the opportunity to tell us to share the story with others who may or may not have heard it before or even to, you know, worship with others to remind each other again of that story. So that's the bigger picture of it is simply this, you know, and that's one of the advantages of having, you know, a, a calendar of our lives that every so often we pause and retell an aspect of the stories that matters most. Mm. Christmas, you know, whatever you think of it, you know, it's unlikely that it really was the time of year that Jesus was born, you know, being in the depths of winter in the Northern Hemisphere and even around Bethlehem and Jerusalem and some of those places, it often does snow in the depths of winter, being high up on top of, you know, a relatively high mountain range. So it's unlikely that we're celebrating at the right time of year, if that matters. Mm. But this kind of calendar, this cycle, is an invitation again for us to just pause and you know, recalibrate our lives again around this story that is, you know, for so many people throughout history has been a defining story of what it means to, uh, to follow God, but also to live well uh, as human beings in our world. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Nathan, just as we start finishing up, it's not just that one thought or chapter that you have in this. It's <laughs> you have 31 of those thoughts. Hmm. And earlier I just asked you to, to have a think about what would be another one of those standouts for you that you would potentially preview to our readers who you know are now thinking, mm, this is a nice gift I'd like to buy uh, for myself or for someone to share, as you mentioned. What's another one of the thoughts in your in your book that you'd like to sort of share with our, our audience? Yeah, I guess one of the ones that I have reflected on more is, an, is a chapter titled Peace. Again, it's one of those curious things that, you know, again, the angel, you know, said to the, you know, I bring you peace and good tidings. You know, again, going back to that central announcement of what happened. And that can sound like a really strange kind of thing. Even in the time of Jesus, it wasn't, you know, Jesus didn't go around creating this kind of bland peace you know, wherever he went. In fact, it seemed like the other way around. And even in the, in the 2,000 years since the time of Jesus, religion has not been necessarily a, an agent of peace often. Mm. Um, and we even spend time looking at those places, you know, Israel, the Middle East. They have a reputation for not being the most peaceful places. And so you kind of go, well, what was this about? Was this some kind of, you know, misguided wishful thinking? Or is it really just the sentimentality of Christmas cards and some of these kind of things? You know, what is the meaning of peace in that comes in these stories. And I think it's a very multifaceted thing and a deeper thing than we often think about. Of course, peace isn't simply the absence of conflict. And in many cases, people can have a sense of peace even in the midst of difficult times. So peace isn't just everything going swimmingly in your favor. It's, it's a deeper, more settled kind of attitude to, you know, this is what it means to live with purpose to live with assurance, to live with hope in the midst of difficult times. Mm -hmm. And then to be people, and as Jesus would later say in his teaching, blessed are the peacemakers, people that actively work towards creating that kind of sense in their communities, in the lives of other people as well, that we are called to be agents of peace 
if we are to follow, and one of the titles given to this baby was that he would be the Prince of Peace. And I think that sets our sights on our future that is promised to be made complete, to be renewed, to be peaceful, to be just, to be beautiful in all those kind of ways that our world was intended to be. But not just to look at the future with that, but to live in that reality and to work towards that reality in our lives, you know, in our personal lives, in our families, in our communities, and wherever we have influence and opportunity in our world. Mm. And I, I feel like your book, Nathan, for those who read it in the Christmas period, will bring a lot of peace in itself in that it will not only just bring people back to the story that's at the origin of it all, but it will also mm. expand on those concepts. And when I was going through it, I was compelled by pieces that you wrote about how Tolkien and comparing that to how Christ's birth is a story, but it's, it's a non-fiction story in that it's true. Or mm. talking about Albert Einstein's birthplace and then talking about the <laughs> significance of Jesus' birthplace. Th- those sorts of interesting thoughts are, are throughout this book. It'll be very, very good for people to read this in a, in a Christmas time that can be devoid of the meaning for some people. In order for that to happen, in order for them to get their hands on this book, they they would have to know where to get it first. So, Nathan, where can people buy the book Advent? Yeah, it's pretty much available from all book retailers or most book retailers. But if you Google, simply Google Advent Nathan Brown, that's pretty easy to find, and you'll be able to find it from any of the from most of the, yeah the mainstream book retailers, both as a print book and as an ebook. Yeah, it shouldn't be too hard to find. Well, that's really great, Nathan. Like I said, I'm still buzzing by the fact that I got to read it before a lot of other people. <laughs> so thank you for that. And really, thank you for, for joining us on Signs of the Times today. And well, for writing this book that we got to use in our magazine. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nathan. And I uh, hope we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Not a problem. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au in Australia or signsofthetimes.org.nz in New Zealand.